Blog Talk Radio. J. Rabin. I'm very glad you're joining us again today on A Better World. <clears throat> we are committed to that outcome. And I interview people, the sung and the unsung heroes of society, who in different ways are contributing to that end. Some of them are in the fields of business, some in the environment, some in politics, some in arts, some in healing. It's a wide range of different intellectuals, philosophers, thinkers, actors, and filmmakers. Many people who are, from their angle, doing what they can to create a new environment, a new novel environment, one that is harmonious, that is renewable, that is sustainable. And on that note, we are... We'll be speaking today with uh, just one of my favorite people of all time, Monty Taylor. That is, as soon as he calls in, which should be any time. Monty Taylor is an astrologer, but there are so many other ways of describing him. He's probably best understood and known as a Jungian-oriented astrologer due to his many years of a love affair with the teachings of Carl Jung, mythology, archetypal psychology and thinking. And this has been the basis of a lot of the work he has done psychologically and characterologically with his clients. And when one gets a reading from Monty, one's life and character are revealed as well as, by the way, the energy of different occurrences in the future, not that it is predictive as such, but astrology in his hands, as with any quality astrologer, is showing probabilities. It doesn't show certainties because there is always free will. However, it does show what can happen when one follows one's true nature. That is the nature of astrology in good hands, and that is definitely the case with Monty. So just another word or two about Monty before I introduce him to you. Uh, I gave you some background. His background goes far and away 
beyond anything I've so already described, uh, having been um, involved in music and symphonic music, both as a musician himself in orchestras, as with his wife, Janice, a lovely soprano, uh, but also as a producer and agent in the world of symphonic music for decades, actually. But his newest iteration, which is always morphing because of his riding the wave, if you will, of astrological understanding, is and has been as a Jungian astrologer, fairest way to put it. Today's subject is going to be bringing forth the themes that were captivated and captured in Bob Dylan's famous song in the 60s, The Times They Are a Changing. And I can't tell you how many blogs I have written on a Better World newsletter with exactly that title over the past couple of years. So it shows an alignment that I have with Monty and the astrological unfolding, if you will, of our life on our planet. In short, Pluto and Uranus were joined in the same song, uh, the same sign, and cosmically, these two outer planets are changing the world permanently by forming a square to each other. Innovation and transformation are challenging of each other to form a balance. If you can imagine those two squared and forming a balance, we're going to have a different world. Things in the world uh, relative to structures are undergoing permanent change. It's hard for us to really cognize what that would look like, but indeed it's happening. And Monty admonishes us not to wait for the storm to be over. Just adjust to the storm, to the new economic, political, and social climate and climate change. This is another level and meaning of climate change. So, Monty, are you on the line? You must be on the line. And I'm pushing the magic button. I've Mitchell, Mitch, Mitchell, Monty. I'm here. Excellent. Hey there. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Excellent. I can hear you perfectly. Excellent. Wonderful. Welcome to a better world. Oh, it's my joy and pleasure. Thank you so much. I just heard your introduction, and it's spot on. You really summarized everything for your listeners to truly, totally understand. Excellent. Well, I'm very glad, and I'm so glad to have you on, Monty, because you really helped to broaden my horizons, and especially, I mean, that's always the case, and you could say we have always are in a pivotal time period, but now I feel it's not only pivotal but critical that people come to understand because surfing is probably the best way of of kind of um, verbalizing, if you will, of quite literally, the state in which we currently find ourselves on this planet, what with climate change on every level, political, mm-hmm. social, economic change. What can you tell our listeners that you feel they should know in order to be most in tune and most abreast of the changes before us? Well, the best allegory I can give each individual listener is a square is an angle of 90 degrees, okay? 
And we have in what we call astrology a grand cross. Now, right now, each an individual listener, if you think of yourself as a human being on a tightrope, now you are a vertical line walking a tightrope of life, okay? And you have a horizontal bar. So just imagine a vertical line crossed by a horizontal line. So the horizontal line on one end of your balance bar is Pluto. On the other end is Uranus. So things have to transform and regenerate. And at the same time, they have to innovate so that they don't go back into the same old cycle, so that they spiral upwards. So anything right now, if you're challenged, being challenged in your life, try to find balance. For example, if you're losing your job, Ask yourself, maybe I'm supposed to be self-employed because of the new kind of economy we're coming into. Maybe I'm supposed to open a secondary side business. Maybe I'm supposed to revamp the way I make myself relevant to the public in terms of monetary, monetary exchange and start looking at the innovative possibilities you have. See, for example, now I have a client who is a very seriously uh, ill person with cancer, and she's undergoing chemotherapy. And she's making a fortune because her therapy was to start crocheting this very beautiful jewelry, which she is selling online and making more money than she was from the job that she had to quit because of her, her cancer. You see? So that's the innovation. And the cancer was actually a catalyst for her to get in touch with her own creativity. And, by the way, she's doing very, very well out of chemotherapy. Interesting, interesting. So look at the raw ingredients of your life and see what's challenging and what is seeking balance. Balance doesn't happen by itself. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All of us, when we learn to ride a bicycle, we just didn't do it the first time. (laughs) Right, right, right. But, you see, what your good advice is is good for almost any time period in our lives. So I'm trying yes. to clarify what is it about this particular time. We know that there are, you know, Pluto in Uranus. Pluto is also in Capricorn at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, what does that mean? And why is this time different, sort of like as we say on Passover, why is this night different, Monty, than any other night? Why is this time period, this cycle of time, different than any other as well? Well, because now we're having, um, we have a natal chart for the United States, don't we? Yes. And we have a natal chart for the um, uh, the Federal Reserve, and we have a natal chart for the invention of the U.S. dollar. And yes. all of these natal charts are being impacted now. The country Uh and the economy are the structure of our societal lives. And when, as an individual, all of the structures of your society are being impacted, it's more dramatic, you see. Uh Uh-huh, yes. Yes. So that's that's a very interesting way to look at it, you see. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But, you know, the other item here is that we are in the year midway, interestingly, on the day of fireworks, no less, of 2012. So much has right. been made of 2012 from the Mayan perspective, from others as well of ancient, of ancient times. 
what, mm-hmm. from a astrological point of view, is the relevance, if any, of this year? This year will be a change in the collective global human psyche. That is the ultimate change that the Mayans are talking about. In fact, I think, Mitchell, yes, you were there at the United Nations when I presented the Mayan elders talking about 2012. And they said, you know, on a physical level, things are going to be the same as they always were, but the way we see ourselves as inhabitants of this planet and as members of a collective human global consciousness, that is going to start, that's the trigger to waking us up. That doesn't mean all the work is finished. It's the trigger to making the whole global concept of who are we as a species inhabiting this planet, and then we're going to have another 15 years of putting that all together and trying to get our act together before Pluto goes into Aquarius, because then if there's any stuck energy, you're really going to see fireworks. (laughs) You see, right? That's very funny. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think it's funny. Um, I think it's funny. Because, I mean, right now I'm actually more crying than laughing when I kind of look at the debacle that human beings have created here on this utterly beautiful planet and the mess that we have made, uh, some of which is visiting us right now with millions of people across the nation without something as simple as electricity. And I think that all of the conditions of extreme weather weather visiting us are a function of global warming, which is largely, if not completely, at least largely a function of human interaction with nature in the direction of destroying it, exploiting it, abusing it. And I think we need an utter revolution in our thinking about our relationship with the planet and with each other. Well, mankind will do that, or else the planets will do it for them, one of the two. Yes. Uh, Yes. The bottom line here is actually Uranus, one of the planets involved in this grand uh, cross, is uh, rules electricity and the Internet. And so it has changed our lives. Look, we're talking to each other via satellite right now. It's an extraordinary thing. We couldn't have even conceived of this 50 years ago, and that's only one generation. But the fascinating thing, on the bigger picture, these outer planets, you see Uranus and Neptune and Pluto and a couple of others, are what we call outer planets. They're so far away from the Earth that their cycles are slower and therefore more impacting. They have a more permanent impact. The changes they trigger are permanent. They're very powerful, and they look at life on the bigger picture than we do with the inner planet, which are closer to us. So Pluto and Uranus are sort of looking at the big picture of things and saying, okay, some people don't have electricity right now. Well, instead of making electricity as the very basic basis of your survival, we didn't even have it a 100 years ago, and people were surviving very well, and we had quite a nice civilization. However, if we can make and understand that electricity is an added tool and an added invention instead of our new fundamental base, because we are still living in an earthbound, Gaia-centric survival here as a species. We have to relate to the earth. 
And yeah. Uranus relates to anything that's off the Earth, you see. So now oh. we can bring the things such as satellite. See, you and I are talking about through a, a vehicle that's off the Earth right now. We're not yes, talking indeed. through telegraph lines. So sure. now what we have to do is make that balance. There's that word again. Yes. And we're having a lot of economic challenges because all these economic charts, you know, like for the U.S. dollar. By the way, your listeners might find it quite interesting. People think that the U.S. dollar started with the country. It did not. Do you know that the U.S. dollar was not a national official currency until Lincoln during the Civil War? No. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did we there have was just before a documentary that? on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we are having well, what, 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 what was the currency? What was the currency prior to the Civil War? Each state had its own dollar, its own its own system. So you had Rhode Island dollars, and you had Virginia dollars, and you know, and they were not consistent in their exchange value. I see. Interesting. So that's why you had the forming of the Second U.S. Bank of America and um, uh, Old Hickory there, Jackson. You know. Uh, yeah. The president uh, took on the banks because they were manipulating the economy even back then, you see. Yes, exactly. So through currencies, local vested banks were trying to run the show. It didn't right. work. Of course, a little right. thing like the Civil War got in their way, but then that right. forced but us to have to think in a unified currency. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It's very interesting. From an economic point of view relative to this uh, square of Pluto yeah. in Uranus, which is, I guess you could call it a subset of Pluto in Capricorn, or at least uh, yeah. parallel. And as you had mentioned to me earlier today, it will be occurring seven times as a square in the next three years. What yeah. are the economic implications and political, not to mention social, well, of these uh, arrangements? Yeah. What are the economic and political ethnic? Well, when uh, two outer planets, which go in forward and retrograde motion, back and forth, back and forth, which means over the next three years they're going to form a perfect square seven times. Yes. Look at that as a sledgehammer trying to smash a boulder down into small pebbles mm -hmm. so that you can use it. So that is what is happening to the vested interest of the economy and the political situation. I didn't say the humanitarian goals. I said the vested interests of the structures of our economy and governments yes. are being impacted like a sledgehammer seven mm. times between now and the late 2014 in order to get this boulder, this blockage out of the way of the continual evolution of a more humane and Aquarian, egalitarian uh, e pluribus unum kind of thinking about how we're all important in the world scene. That's yes. what we have. Ah, mm -hmm. Very interesting. Okay. So when we talk, as we did in the 60s, since you had us invoke Bob Dylan here, of the age of Aquarius, mm -hmm. when is what you would call the real onset of that out of Piscean? Well, it's been happening for about 200 years, gradually. Okay. Outer planets work very gradually. Uranus is the yes. ruling planet of Aquarius. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. And uh, exactly. so what's happening is when Uranus was actually discovered in the mid-1700s, that's when you would trigger and say, aha, something's shifting. 
And as it continues and continues and continues, it will be very, very apparent in another 50 years, but we can certainly see it coming. The way one should look at ages is the way one, on a smaller level, should look at seasons. Now, just yes. because it's December 22nd or the winter solstice in the northern hemisphere does not mean it's going to snow. It can snow in October, as you well know. <laughs> yeah. You can have a snowstorm on Thanksgiving a month earlier, or you can have roses still blooming in your garden in the same city where you had a six-foot snowdrift last year. You see, it is not so much the actual date and timing. It is the effective uh, influence of the currents that are going on. So we uh -huh. are definitely Aquarian. Anything that brings people together and makes them equal is classified as an Aquarian phenomena. And we can see in our daily lives, very subtly, we have cell phones, we have the Internet, we have YouTube. We have all of these things that puts us in touch without us censoring uh, public broadcast. You see what I'm saying? We have yeah. no more government control of the media. Which is ah. why these revolutions, another Aquarian thing, revolution, which is why all these revolutions around the world are so successful, because they yeah. have Twitter. Yeah. Uh -huh. The yeah. American colonists did not have Twitter. They did not know that the, the Revolutionary War was over and the peace treaty was signed until four <laughs> months later. <laughs> is that so? There was that much yeah. of a lag. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Very exactly. interesting. So that's that's no. just the difference, you see. Things are speeding yeah. up, as you can see in your daily life, I'm sure. Indeed, Everyone. indeed. So mm -hmm. what you're really suggesting is that the world, through as we continue to enter more deeply into the Aquarian Age, knowing that we are at the very, very, very trace beginnings of it, but as Uranus mm -hmm. has its effect um, on our planet um, through its square of of Pluto, and as Pluto mm -hmm. is having its effect on the institutions represented by Capricorn, we mm -hmm. are seeing a, an incre increasingly humane, ecologically sensitive, nature-aware, sustainable, mm -hmm. harmonious society, the kind that we dreamed about in the 60s, the kind that mm -hmm. Edward Bellamy thought of in his looking backwards, the kind that yeah. the utopians thought about in the 18th and 19th centuries when they moved to the colonies and moved to America. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the critical thing, thing to remember. You're absolutely right, uh, Mitchell. And what we are challenged to do is to really realize, truly realize, the meaning of the age of Aquarius about equality. Because Aquarius is unity and equality with respect to the individuality of each person involved. Yes. So instead of one size fits all and walking around calling each other comrade and wearing matching outfits or uniforms, <laughs> we are understanding that the diversity within the unity is essential for its survival. And yeah. that all things are equal in value, but they have to have the balance triggered by respect, mutual respect. Yeah. And yeah. that's something that our political parties have to learn right now. It's being shockingly put into our face right now to bring that fact to our attention. 
Yes. See, the general populace is quite disgusted with all of these political polarities. Oh, yeah. There's no need for it, you see. But the big picture of the psychological um, impact of Uranus and Pluto is, let's show the human population the extremes of their options so that they can find a balance by exploring it through experience. I see. I see. Mm -hmm. Right. So Uranus is the revolutionary planet. Only when it meets something intransigent or stuck. Right. If it doesn't encounter something that's stuck or totalitarian, it is a great liberator. Yes. But Mm -hmm. if it meets something totalitarian, it will liberate from that status. Right. At least that's what its mission is. And if it does not... If our democracy was truly functional yeah. as the forefathers, the founding fathers had envisioned, what, mm-hmm. I mean, this is theoretical, but what kind of effect would we be experiencing now with Uranus? If we were truly living the objectives of the original ideal concept of a democracy, we would right now be having the most amazing economy that would be mutually synchronistic, mutually balancing. Everyone would be taken care of. It wouldn't be socialism. It would be social collective uh, responsibility instead of an imposed bureaucratic interpretation of social responsibility. That's what would be happening. You see, when you don't have something taking place... You have some kind of structure coming in trying to give it the ability to survive. So a bureaucracy steps in, you see, when human free will doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed. Very interesting. You know, it it is like there is an inherent morality in the operation and the cycles of the universe. Of course. It it always seeks a balance. That's what I keep hearing from you, Monty. Mm Mm-hmm. We're so all what we see, of course, of is microcosm. we mm-hmm. right exactly. What we see, of course, is the um, after effects of what happened in, most recently in September 2008 of the corporatocracy yeah. being fully put into place and completely balanced by its subsidiary called the United States government, and got bailed out, living high on the hog on our backs, middle classes collapsed. Poor people everywhere, 12 million people, children, go to bed hungry mm-hmm. in the United States of America every single night. Hard for us to imagine. Foreclosures rampant across the country. Even now, four years later, it continues on. The power mm-hmm. stranglehold on us, we the people, you see, remains astrologers. intact. Yeah, astrologers aren't smarter than other people, but they are conditioned to see the cycles and connecting the dots of history. Now, if you look at the situation going on right now since 2008, yes, we are having the Uranus return. In other words, Uranus has gone all the way around the zodiac for 84 and a half years and come back to where it was when we had the Great Depression, thus triggering a similar cycle. But here's what is very interesting. People talk about the 1930s Great Depression. People who were older 
in those years of the 1930s said, this is nothing. You should have been around when I was a child in 1875 when New York City had such a, a homeless population, 250,000 families were sleeping on the floors of the police stations in Manhattan alone. Oh. And the 1875 depression was called the Long Depression. Oh. It was longer and far more severe, and if the economists and the media would only just do one night's high school level homework and see this and bring it out, you could see that we are repeating cycles over and over and over. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And that, we keep repeating them in this, with this particular expression, is because we're not learning our lessons. Otherwise, Absolutely. as you're saying, mm-hmm. that Uranus conjunction could be a high point in our lives. Yes. You know, there's a lot of simple elementary high school level facts that just people are too lazy to understand. The media is not showing it. The researchers such as you, you bring so much information to the public. You're to be really congratulated. But here's a very famous fact. Thanks, Monty. I'll bet nobody knows who wrote the Pledge of Allegiance. His name was Francis Bellamy. And he was from upstate New York in the Mohawk Valley. And I have to have 35 seconds left, I'm sorry to say. Okay. The bottom line is, when the first Pledge of Allegiance was written, Congress did not want to pass it because it said liberty and justice for all, and they didn't feel that that should include women because it might give them the vote. <laughs> that is a fine note to, to leave on. A note on the vote. Everybody just do a little historical research and you'll be much clearer about what's going on right now. Thank you, Mitchell. What is your phone number, please, for our audience? Oh, 917-836-6023, or you can reach me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. M-O-N-T-Y. Excellent. Monty, (laughs) thank you so much for your great service, my friend. Thank you. I look forward to speaking to you again. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. You too. Bye. This is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Thank you so much for joining us. Visit our website at www.abetterworld.tv, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.